Hello again. Now the next two questions were kind of similar, um, so we've decided to lump them in together. Uh, so the first one, uh, what is the natural godly role of men in church and how can men who are afraid to be men embrace this role in a world that tells us men are inherently toxic? So big question. Uh, let's look at the Bible, um, see what it has to say. Um, yeah, uh, first place um, we went to was Genesis 3.16. So we've got um, uh, the fall has happened. Adam and Eve have been deceived. They've entered into disobedience from God. And God lays out the curses for them. And there's a particular one uh, uh, to Eve where it says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And what we get in that moment is a tension between the genders. Uh, and so what we get in that space is gives us a basis for understanding um, the, our experience of gender in the world now is a result of the fall and that plays out um, in so many different ways and then yeah, particularly with this question we're thinking about well there's a tension going on isn't it, of like a ruling over of a hurting of being uh, being toxic to, from one gender to another uh, and we go right oh, that makes total sense of Genesis 3 that seems um, incredibly consistent yeah yeah it's, it's a big thing that happens um now, also to look in the Bible, to look at Jesus and the way that he treated women, I think that's a, just a great place to start. And we see so many different stories of Jesus interacting with women, healing them, casting demons out of them. Um, there's a story of the Samaritan woman uh, at the well in the middle of the day and Jesus uh, talks, not only talks with her, but, um, yeah, invites her into his kingdom. There's also the uh, the women at the tomb who he first visits. Tons of stories. Uh, Jesus giving dignity, saving and loving women. Yeah, so what we see um, through that story, oh, I also just think um, if you want to look more at what uh, godly masculinity and femininity are, look, um, look at question three, so we won't jump into that in this one. Uh, go back to that one for, to find out more on that, that particular point uh, of what a male and female is meant to be. Uh, but uh, this gives a basis to just say that um, tos toxic masculinity is just a terrible thing because it is living out the curse. It is seeking to rule as one gender over the other, um, to denigrate, to harm, to, um, to, yeah, to, to uh, uh, abuse in both a whole bunch of different ways. Um, abuse is not just physical, but it is emotional, spiritual, uh, a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, and the key thing to say is it is not the way of following Jesus. Mm. Jesus did not respond like that to females. Uh, he did not, um, yeah, he did not uh, denigrate them. He did not lower them. Um, uh, in many, many ways, he, yeah, he brought them, uh, brought them up, and gave them places of honor. There are many situations in which, yeah, he honors them and celebrates them and loves them in hard situations. So, what does that leave us? Um, it leaves us just thinking about, well, how, how as a community, do we, um, do we, do we live that out? Um, uh, my key thought was um, looking at older men who. Um, uphold women and love them and lead them and help them to flourish and to follow Jesus. Um, looking at their example and how they do that, how they listen, um, how they uh, listen to people, females' opinions and ask for females' opinions, how they recognize and uphold them as image bearers, uh, equal image bearers with males, um, and learning from them and observing their both their character and the way that they uh, live that out. Um, I've been blessed with, um, yeah, with that in many situations where I've been able to observe uh, leaders uh, hearing and caring and uh, responding to females in beautiful, beautiful ways. Um, 
men have a wonderful opportunity to not uh, live out the um, rulership tension that is um, that is built from uh, Genesis 3, a wonderful opportunity to be a beautiful example in the world of a different story, uh, of a different story where they're building up women and helping them to flourish in Jesus and to use their gifts for the glory of God, for the blessing of the church. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, men have a wonderful opportunity every time they are existing in community to do that. Mm. And another thing just for the guys, um, a man who loves Jesus is a beautiful, beautiful thing. When I'm chatting with young women, um, particularly when, you know, there's a guy on the horizon who they're pretty keen on, um, the thing I really want to encourage them in thinking about that guy is, does he love Jesus more than he would love you? I think if he does, that that is a really good sign um, that he will love you more because he loves Jesus and um, that he will just be a man of um, increasingly better character. You know, like um, nobody's perfect, particularly, you know, early 20-year-old men, but if he is seeking to love Jesus, uh, he will grow and he will learn and ultimately he will love you as Jesus does uh, because that is what uh, the Bible commands. Mm-hmm. And I think, guys, sometimes these guys are not the ones that girls go for and you may, may be firmly friend-zoned and and maybe that will hurt a little bit or maybe go, girls will just think that, oh, you're just a man, you could, you're toxic. But just persist. Do not buy into any lie that the world wants to tell you about um, how to be a good guy or how to be a champion because God knows what he's talking about and a godly man is a beautiful, beautiful thing indeed. Um, so just... Yeah, just persist in uh, being good. You know, don't expect medals for it, but just persist. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jumping to the next question, uh, how can women embrace the church and be involved when women are often told they are stumbling blocks for men? Uh, a few of the passages that came to mind for us was thinking through Romans 14 of um, uh, the weaker brother and sister, so someone that's struggling particularly with pick a thing and um, and the weaker versus the stronger and how to, how to think about uh, the temptation and what, how community works out there. Uh, and then 1 Corinthians 6, which particularly talks about yeah, the stumbling block nature of that. Mm. Yeah, it's important, um, <coughs> super, super important to remember you are not responsible for someone else's sin. They are responsible for that. Um, but you are responsible uh, for your own actions. And so in thinking about, uh, you know, women being called stumbling blocks, you are, it's not your business if somebody else uh, falls into sin. I mean, as much as we're kind of in family together, we feel the effects, but uh, you can control your actions. You cannot control or be held account uh, for the actions of others. Yeah, and uh, just yeah, yeah, that's and that's a really hard. Um, that's a really great place to begin. So really, where you, where you start with is follow Jesus, be a follower of Jesus, um, seeking to live a godly life. Um, but you can't take account for everyone's thoughts. You can't take account for all those things. Uh, when it's talking in Romans fourteen and one Corinthians six about the community, it's being um, being aware of those things. But you. Um, yeah, you're not the cause of those things. The person's uh, sinful heart is the cause of those things. You can be aware of them, but it's not your fault. Therefore, you shouldn't feel excluded from community. You ne- Sorry, you need not feel excluded from community um, because of their sin. Uh, that is an opportunity for them to grow through that. Um, 
uh, we, yeah, a bit of a story, um, we, uh, as a youth pastor in another church, um, we had this great debate about, you know, should we get all the, make sure the kids wore um, swim tops and had to wear like swimmer shorts and that sort of thing. Um, and it ended up, we were just creating, creating kind of laws out of nowhere um, that weren't based in the gospel. They were kind of, um, yeah, I guess they were cultural kind of rules and laws that were built on particular fears from people. Um, so I and they're called pharisaical hedges. <laughs> pharisaical hedges. There we go. Using legit terms now. Uh, I ended up responding by saying, um, uh, saying to the youth kids, um, going swimming, uh, dress in a way that is comfortable for you as someone who's um, valued and whose identity is in Jesus. And so what I was trying to do there is go. Um, uh, follow Jesus and see how that will play out uh, as you think about you know, what, what you'd wear going swimming. It's not about uh, living in fear, nor is it about um, trying to account for other people's sin, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, uh, dressed in a way that is comfortable rather than trying to, like, impress other people or, like, yeah, living in fear of what they'll think of you. Um, uh, this space as we are as a church, um, as a youth ministry, is a place where you should feel safe to um, be a follower of Jesus and to live that out. And so, yeah, and that went really well. Um, yeah, girls didn't feel like they were objects. Um, um, boys uh, learnt that, yeah, they're not objects. Uh, the females aren't objects, not to be just like stared noggled at, but people that are well, underneath in Jesus. And, and so, that the boys weren't treated as though they were just going <coughs> to kind of lecture all over the girls either. That they, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, we didn't assume their toxic masculinity. We, yeah, we think, you know, men are capable of. Um, looking at a woman and not thinking about sex the whole time. Hmm. We need to give them more credit than that. Hmm. Um, and I think that was another like good thing about what that that did. Yeah, and that yeah that went um, incredibly well. Yeah, at the time. Hmm. Yeah, there's more thoughts on both those questions, but there's a good way to enter into them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Done. Done. Yeah.